0: Thank you for tuning into this webinar, How to Magnify Employee Potential Using Positive Reinforcement. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and human resource professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speaker is Daniel White. Daniel's an organizational development consultant for AGH Employer Solutions Organizational Development and Family Business Services Group. He assists organizations with their organizational development needs, including strategic and operational planning, leadership development, and employee engagement efforts. Daniel has worked with a wide range of industries, including construction, healthcare, manufacturing, banking, not-for-profit, and government organizations. He's also worked internationally as an organizational development consultant serving organizations in Bolivia, Guatemala, and Ghana. Prior to advising organizations, Daniel worked in not-for-profit leadership and operations, directing projects with clients such as the U.S. Department of State and the United Nations Population Fund. He's been published in Fast Company and several academic journals, and he he has presented at a number of national conferences. Unlike traditional employee recognition programs, positive reinforcement helps develop employees who not only do their jobs well, but also look for opportunities to consistently go above and beyond. Daniel will discuss the efforts managers can make to help their employees feel truly appreciated and recognized, leading to higher productivity and long-term commitment.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Mike. And thank you all for joining me today on this webinar. As Mike said, I'm Daniel White and here at AGH, I help clients with leadership development, employee engagement, and strategic planning efforts, kind of the areas that we call organization development. So we help family businesses, nonprofits, for-profit organizations, with kind of the people and processes side of business, which you all know is a pretty necessary, important part of business as well. So today we're going to be talking about how to magnify employee potential using positive reinforcement. So this is actually a follow-up to a previous webinar entitled The Key to Harder Working, More Motivated Employees, which is available on demand at aghuniversity.com. If you want to go back afterwards and listen to that, that's a little bit more broader strokes of employee engagement in general, but today we're really going to focus just on one tool for employee engagement, which is that use of positive reinforcement in management and how we can really have some practical tools to dig in and use that as we manage our employees at our organizations. So today we've got a couple learning objectives. Um, First of all, we want to discuss the benefits of using positive reinforcement and how that's the best way to get the best from your employees, second we're going to look at the pitfalls that many companies fall into when they structure their employee recognition programs and learn how we can avoid those, and then third we're going to explore the various appreciation languages of employees and learn how to utilize those to bring out the best in our employees. So as we get started though I'd like to just hear a little bit more about you from our first poll. So I would like to know, okay, why are you attending today? Maybe you want to learn more about positive reinforcement. Maybe you have employees who need motivation. Maybe you just want to become a better manager. Or maybe you just need the CPE credit or the HRCI credit, the honest answer there. So um, go ahead and choose the best answer there kind of so I can get a feel for why you're attending today. So the majority of you just want to become a better manager, and this is one tool to, to do that. Um, some of you have specific employees who you know that need motivation, and we got a handful of you that are just honest. You want the, that credit. That's fine, too. I think I'll win you over, and you'll be able to understand why this is really important, as well as giving you credit. So uh, let's kind of dive in here to the meat of what we want to start talking about. So as we begin, we've got to actually take a step back and kind of think about what we're trying to do here. And the overall process for getting the best out of our employees is really trying to shape their behavior. So we've got to kind of take a trip back here to Psychology 101 and talk about, okay, how do we shape behavior? Well, you've got behavior, and then you've got two things that can shape behavior. First of all, you've got antecedents. And an antecedent is something that is done before the behavior, maybe like a speed limit sign, that tries to shape your behavior by telling you what you should do. But people don't always do what they're told, like we all know, and at least not consistency. Consist- consistently. Excuse me. So antecedents really aren't the best way to shape behavior, because just because you see a speed limit sign doesn't mean that everyone is going to follow that suggested behavior. Second, consequences are really what can help shape behavior. And a consequence is just anything that's after the behavior that helps to shape the future behavior. So, for example, if you ignored that speed limit sign and then you sped and you got a ticket, that ticket or that consequence would probably cause you to think twice about speeding the next time. However, if you ignored the sign, you still sped and you never got a ticket, that actual lack of consequence would also shape your behavior for the next time because you're just going to keep speeding because there's never any consequence for it. So it's really those consequences at the end after the behavior that helps to shape the future behavior. So we've got to think, okay, what kind of consequences can we use to shape behavior? There's several types. So first of all, if you just want to stop a behavior, there's two types of consequences that you can use want them to do less or stop a behavior. A lot of us are familiar with this punishment. It's a penalty for a behavior that you don't want. So this consequence is used all the time and really works pretty well for stopping behavior a lot of times. In society it can be used such as jail in this picture. Um, in parenting it might be used such as a timeout for your kids. but. We don't often see it too often in the workplace. Second, if you want to less of a behavior or you want to stop a behavior, you can use extinction. Like this dodo bird here. Extinction is withholding or not delivering reinforcement for previously reinforced behavior. That's a little complicated, but really what it looks like is many times in organizations it happens unintended actually. because you think about a new hire that comes on that's all gung-ho and ready to work hard, and they work hard for the first month, and then they realize, oh, hey, everyone else around here isn't working hard, and there's no repercussions, they don't get recognized for working hard, so what are they going to do? They're eventually going to stop working so hard. They're going to just do what it takes to to get by. So that's not a good example of extinction that you want to happen, but you can also use it in your favor. So you can use it to stop a bad behavior. So If you think of a a toddler that throws a temper tantrum to get attention, if you stop rewarding them with attention, then that behavior goes away. So those are the two ways that you can get less of a behavior, get it to stop either punishing that behavior, or causing it to go extinct by not reinforcing it. Both of them can be very useful for stopping a behavior, but they don't actually tell people what you want them to do. They're only telling you, okay, I don't want you to do this specific behavior. So, in order to get our employees to start or to do more of a behavior, which is primarily what we want in the workplace, there's a lot of things that we want employees to do, we have to use other methods. And the first type of method for getting more behavior is called negative reinforcement. And it's actually different than punishment. So let me kind of explain this here. It's the removal of a negative consequence in the future to shape behavior. So let's give a little simple example here. You think about a boss in a factory and boss tells the employee, okay, you have to make 1,000 widgets by next Friday or else you're fired. The negative consequence that's being floated out there is being fired, and that negative consequence of being fired can be removed by having the employee make 1,000 widgets. So what kind of behavior do you get from this sort of negative reinforcement? Well, you get compliance because how many widgets is that worker going to make? Well, they're going to make a 1,000 because that's how many you ask them to and that's how many they have to do in order to avoid those negative consequences. Okay, when are they going to do it? Well, they're going to do it by next Friday, no sooner, the deadline. So if they know it's only going to take them a the day to do, they're not going to do anything all week until Thursday and then get it all done right? It's compliance behavior. You get employees who do just enough to get by and just enough to avoid that negative consequence. They do things because they have to, not because they want to. So the the famous George Carlin quote kind of sums this up. Most people work hard, work just hard enough not to get fired and get paid just enough not to quit. And sadly, this is pretty much the case in a lot of the workplace today. There's a lot of compliance behavior going on, people doing just enough to get by. Thankfully, though, there is a second way to get more behavior from your employees, and it is called positive reinforcement, which is why we're here today. So what is positive reinforcement? It's kind of a fancy term, but Positive reinforcement is really just any consequence that follows a behavior and increases its frequency in the future. So basically it's when you see a behavior in an employee that you like and you want them to do it again, you reward that behavior and that behavior will happen more frequently. So basically when desired behavior is reinforced, it gets repeated. So positive reinforcement is just finding those behaviors that you want to happen more often, and then rewarding them so that they get repeated in the future. So a simple example of this is just turning on a light switch. When you flip the switch, the light comes on. And so next time that you want light, you know that you just have to flip the switch. And that is positive reinforcement. My two-year-old daughter's already learned this and just loves to turn on and off the light in her room, but just imagine if the switch didn't do anything. She'd probably stop flipping it because she learned that it was not reinforcing her in the way that it's intended to. So that's a really simple example, but how could this be utilized in our workplaces? There's actually probably quite a few examples that you're already familiar with. So you may be familiar or have these here employee awards or employee of the month programs. Those are really good examples of positive reinforcement. Could be a thank you note from a client, or it could be a good job on a project from your manager. Hopefully, your manager has better handwriting than the, the five-year-old, like in this picture, though. But uh, or it could just be a, a thumbs up from your coworker. And it also could be money. Many companies use money as a way to motivate employees, often through some kind of bonus or incentive system or profit sharing. And these are all examples of positive reinforcement in the workplace. Um, just to give you a, f- a brief glimpse that you already are pretty familiar probably with what positive reinforcement might look like. But we're gonna come back later to discuss best practices in these areas for how we can do um, positive reinforcement well. First, I want to get into, okay, why is positive reinforcement important? Why should we even care about it? Well, as we saw before, out of the four consequences, the four types, positive reinforcement is the only consequence that can promote discretionary behavior. It's the only way to get your employees to give their best, to go above and beyond and not just give compliance effort. So it's the only way that you can get the best out of your employees. Because you can't punish people into discretionary effort. If you try to punish or discipline, it only results in compliance or it results in just not doing the thing that they're punished to do, be doing, but they don't actually know what they should be doing. If you think about it, if your boss boss punishes you or threatens to punish you, do you really want to put forth extra effort for him? Or are you just going to do what it takes to not get punished? That's really what it leads to. So we've got to use positive reinforcement for the best uh, out of our employees. And there's actually, physical reasons why positive reinforcement works. Um, Gallup's research indicates there's a physiological response in the brain that lasts for days when an employee receives positive reinforcement. And it's one that's more powerful than a chemical stimulant. So really we're hardwired as humans and our brains are hardwired to get this drug-like boost from positive reinforcement that leaves us wanting more and gets us addicted to trying to do whatever got us that positive reinforcement. So it's not just something that's a good idea out there, it's something that's the way that we're wired as humans. And so we've got to learn how to tap into that as managers. And really, I think the best part about positive reinforcement is that it's free. It doesn't cost you anything to do a lot of these um, positive reinforcements. tools to use these, um, giving a compliment or a high five or showing appreciation really doesn't cost much. And so it's a free way to really get a lot more out of your employees. So when we think about getting more discretionary behavior from our employees, really what we're talking about is that employee engagement, which you've probably heard that term but they're kind of synonymous, one and the same, discretionary behavior or employee engagement. So employee engagement, when we talk about that further, it's kind of the give a darn factor. Are your employees willing to do what it takes rather than just do the bare minimum that's required? Employee engagement is about employees wanting to give their discretionary effort because they care about the work, and you're honestly getting more out of them than you're paying them. So we all want to engage our employees. But in today's workforce, unfortunately, it's not happening. Only 29% of employees are engaged, 45% are not engaged, and a whopping 26% of employees, more than a quarter of employees, are actively disengaged. These disengaged workers have effectively quit their jobs and stayed while they still take a salary. They're kind of sitting in their seats having already quit and um, you're still paying them. So these are alarming statistics. Really not what we want to see. So what would happen if we could engage more of our employees? And how does employee engagement affect on the job performance? What kind of tangible effects does it have on a business? You can imagine your business if you've got a quarter of your employees who have essentially quit in their seats. What kind of impact is that having on your bottom line? Well, Gallup has done some research and they've shown a lot can be gained from engaging your employees. These stats show how much in a business can improve from engaging your employees. Increased attendance, less turnover, increased customer service, less theft, fewer accidents, higher productivity, 12% more profitability. So if you're a business owner or a manager, or if you could go to your owner or your manager and say, hey, I can get you 12% more profitability this year for free. How do you think that would go over? That's pretty amazing if we can just engage our employees we can get a lot of tangible benefits. If you're in the construction industry, look at that 62% fewer accidents. Safety ratings are huge in the construction industry now, and if you can reduce that by 62%, that would be a huge improvement. So all this can be done, like I said, just through engaging your employees. To further reinforce these statistics, 79% of employees who quit a jobs say that a lack of appreciation is a key reason for doing that. And this may or may not be surprising to you, but I'm sure you've all heard the saying, employees don't quit companies, they quit their bosses. And if their boss isn't showing them that they're appreciated and valued, then they're going to leave. And as the labor market increasingly tightens up, we can't afford as organizations to lose key talent and so we've got to figure out how to make sure employees feel appreciated and valued. But unfortunately 65 percent of North Americans said that they did not receive any recognition or appreciation in the workplace. So this isn't happening. A lot of employees, over half, are not feeling valued at work. That's a big problem. How many employees maybe in your organization are ready to leave? How many of them have already quit in their seat because of the lack of feeling appreciated or valued? So if you're convinced then of the value of engagement, the question becomes, okay, how do we get more of this engagement? And like I've said, it's through positive reinforcement. And a lot of companies try to give positive reinforcement, try to make their employees feel valued through employee recognition programs. So I want to take a closer look at these programs to kind of understand um, how they're working and how they maybe aren't working. So first, I want to take a little poll here. Go ahead and answer this. What aspects does your employee recognition program have? So check all that apply. I kind of want to know, What you guys have in your companies, Do you have Employee of the Month programs, special employee awards, monetary incentives, profit sharing. Maybe you don't have any kind of formal program. Broad spectrum here, not very many Employee of the Month programs, but we do have a lot of special awards, monetary incentives for that individual performance, some kind of profit sharing. And then almost a third of you don't have any kind of program. So um, that is interesting. I would have expected maybe more companies to have a program. But um, we'll talk then about uh, employee recognition programs here. And if you want to start one, we'll give you best practices for how to do that. And if you already have one, we'll talk about, okay, how can we structure it, maybe make it a little bit better. Okay, let's do a second poll here, back to back, and I just want to know, okay, if you have that employee engagement program, how effective is it in creating that engagement like we've already talked about? Is it very effective? Somewhat effective? Effective? Not effective? How engaging is it for your employees in getting that discretionary effort? Once again, we've got that about third of people who don't have an employee recognition program, and then the vast majority of the rest of you said it's well it's somewhat effective um, very few of you said it was very effective or effective, so it looks like the majority say, well, there's some value to it, but it's not really getting all of the employee engagement that we can out of it so and that's kind of what I would have expected to see to see because. As I look at different companies, I see that their employee recognition programs primarily primarily consist of those Employee of the Month programs, maybe some group profit sharing, individual award programs, and when I've looked at these, I've found that the programs generally just don't work. They don't create employee engagement like they're meant to. Maybe they're somewhat effective, like most of you said even though they're kind of implemented with good intentions, they're not always as effective as we would like them to be. So when I go and talk to employees and ask them about their employee recognition programs, they really have uh, the three common responses. The first is kind of apathy. Maybe they don't care about the program, it doesn't really affect them, it doesn't apply to them. They just don't care about it because it doesn't impact them in it any meaningful way. Or maybe they might be sarcastic. They roll their eyes, say something sarcastic that the program is impersonal, inauthentic, something like that. Or maybe they're cynical. You know, One group said, well, it's just all political. One month it's somebody from IT, the next month it's somebody from accounting. They just rotate it from department to department and eventually it'll get around to me in my department. There's really no meaning behind it. It's just all political. I'm sure you've seen some of those types of programs. It's pretty obvious that a lot of programs are not really motivating employees like they're intended to. So why is that? Why do these well-intentioned programs fail? Or why does positive reinforcement fail in general? Well, let's get at several of these key reasons here. First, a lot of them are very generic. They're generic actions. So everyone gets a gold gold star, or maybe everyone gets a box of chocolates. They're not tailored to individual needs and desires. Because, well, what if I don't like chocolate? I know that's hard to believe, but there's people out there that don't like chocolate. So um, we can't just do generic one-size-fits-all answers for everybody because everyone is different. Second, these often tend to be group-based. So have you ever been a part of like a group project that finishes well and the boss sends out an email to the entire group, says, hey, good job, guys. How appreciated do those employees feel? Do they feel valued as an individual and what they contributed to that group? Or is it just a generic group that uh, is uh, being given appreciation as a group that's just very group-based and doesn't work well? Third, a lot of times these are generally based around verbal praise or some kind of award. And while this is really great for some people, not everybody likes those things. Some people hate verbal group recognition. So we're going to get into this more later, but can't just focus on these two areas of appreciation. Fourth, um, a lot of times these are infrequent. Because how often do you get to be the employee of the month? Well, maybe once every five years or something. How often is there profit sharing? Maybe once a year. How often do you get a raise? Maybe once a year, right? All of these things are pretty infrequent, and it's not really enough to influence behavior because they're so infrequent. Another reason is they're organizational. They're impersonal. As with profit sharing, everybody gets a reward, both the slacker and the higher performer. That, how do you think the uh, high performers feel about everyone getting the same thing? Doesn't work. And then many times they're not perceived as genuine. Recognition, a lot of times, especially in these employee recognition programs, is just company policy, and so recognition is just happening because it's company policy, rather than from coming from the heart of a manager or... They just know that management doesn't really think that about them. It's just because they're supposed to do it, and so it's not authentic. So all of these are reasons here why a lot of positive uh, reinforcement and these employee recognition programs don't often work. So all this kind of points to the fact that recognition and appreciation or feeling valued are two different things. Just because you as a manager recognize an employee doesn't mean that they feel appreciated or valued as an employee. So let's dive into this a little bit more. As this table here shows, the two are very different. Recognition focuses only on performance, while appreciation shows value for the person as well. Recognition's objective is to improve performance, while appreciation is that plus supporting the person. Recognition's goal is what's best for the company, but appreciation takes the person into account as well. And this is an important one. While recognition can only come from the top down, anyone can show appreciation. So you could show appreciation to your coworkers. But when we think about the primary difference between recognition and appreciation, it's that recognition solely focuses on performance while appreciation focuses on the person. Now, this isn't to say that recognition is bad, in essence. There's nothing wrong with recognition for performance, but let's not confuse recognition with showing appreciation and value for our employees, they're two very different things. If we really want to try and <clears throat> get performance out of uh, somebody, recognition can be a tool, but appreciation and showing <clears throat> value is a very different thing than that. So this brings up a question that many of you guys might be thinking: Am I telling you that I should that you should just Ignore poor performance so that everyone can feel appreciated and valued and we can all be one big happy family. Well, no, that's not what I'm telling you. It's important to hold employees accountable to give constructive feedback. And there's a place for recognition or a lack of recognition. But We've got to remember that this type of management will not inspire employees to go above and beyond. So there needs to be a combination of both positive reinforcement and holding employees accountable. Um, if you've read the book uh, by Aubrey Daniels, I'd recommend it bringing out the best in people. He recommends a four-to-one ru- rule of or a four-to-one ratio of four positives to every negative. So once again, this shows you've got to have both the positives and the negatives in there but you've got to have more positives than negatives. And this doesn't mean you sandwich everything together. You say, hey, good job, good job, here's what's wrong, but good job, good job. You can't sandwich positive and negative together. They've got to be spread out over time so that they don't negate each other. All right, so when we think about driving more employee engagement, it's... No surprise that the number one factor that influences how much people enjoy their jobs is whether they feel appreciated. So once again, just because recognition is given doesn't mean that employees feel appreciated. So intention doesn't count. As much as we would like it to, as much as we all have good intentions, and we want the best for employees, just having good intentions doesn't count. Just because you give recognition and have good intentions doesn't make your employees feel appreciated. Just because you value your employees doesn't mean that they actually know that you value them. So managers need to do what makes employees actually feel appreciated rather than just say, Well, I gave you this award and I really do value you. Well, if it doesn't make them feel valued, then it doesn't work. So we've got to make sure that we're doing what is best for the um, employee and what they can actually feel appreciated by. Okay, so let's get into some very practical specifics here. How do I actually give positive reinforcement that's meaningful and impactful? Well, there's a couple key parts to doing it right here. And you can use this acronym, SIPs, to maybe try and remember this. So first, positive reinforcement needs to be specific. It needs to focus on specific behavior, not just characteristics and not generic. So how many times do we tell our direct reports, hey, you're doing a great job. Or thanks for everything you're doing. How does that work? Well, it's nice, <clears throat> nice that we're actually sharing it, but <clears throat> excuse me, we want to pinpoint the behavior that we actually want. <clears throat> Instead of saying, Good job on that report, why don't we say, Hey, you did a good job on that report? It was polished to the point and turned in early. <clears throat> that way <clears throat> we are pinpointing the behavior that we actually want to reinforce. We're not just being very generic. We're specifically saying these are the things that I want you to do again. So being specific also helps us to avoid accidentally reinforcing the wrong behaviors and it avoids having us just patting everyone on the back just for the sake of it. Because we want to give positive feedback for specific behavior that we want to happen again We don't just want blanket kudos for everybody. If you think about it, most employees, and even the problem employees that you have, probably do at least something right. So reinforce that behavior that they do right. If you've got a really difficult employee that does 75% of what they do wrong, well, Try to find the bright spots of that 25% and help them figure out specifically what you want them to do. When we think about the current state of the workplace, 53% of employees say their boss's positive reinforcement does not provide enough information to help them repeat the desired performance. So it's definitely an area to work on. A lot of employees might say, well, hey, I got this award. I don't really know what it was for, but at least I got this award. That's not what we want. We want employees to know exactly why they are getting that positive reinforcement, so that they know what behavior they should repeat again. Okay. second, positive reinforcement should be immediate, because if you wait for the annual review, it's not going to promote specific behaviors. Can you imagine a basketball coach on the sideline sitting quietly, just taking notes, and then not giving any feedback until the end of the season? That's kind of what it would be like of only giving feedback in the annual review. You've got to give constant, immediate feedback so that people know what they need to do differently to change. This is something that millennials really like. They want that immediate feedback know what they should be doing. So if we want to shape behavior, we need to reinforce that behavior as close to the behavior as possible. So even if you have monthly meetings with your direct report, that may or may not be soon enough, depending on the urgency of the behavior. Third, it's got to be personal. It's got to be individualized and delivered personally. So just having a group pizza party or something like that doesn't cut it. It's got to be expressed in the language that the individual best hears and with actions that are most important to that recipient. So we're going to dive into this a lot more here in a second. But fourth, this has to be sincere and authentic. If you don't mean it, then don't do it. Employees know when you're just going through the emotions. So once again, If it's just company-mandated policy and you're just doing it just because, employees can sniff that out. And so you've got to uh, give positive reinforcement in a way that is something that you can believe in, that you're saying something in an honest, true fashion that you really do mean to the employee. So even if you've got a very difficult employee, They probably do something right and you can find that bright spot to focus on and you can with authenticity say, hey, great job on this because you really do mean it. Those are the four key things to look at when you're doing positive reinforcement. And as I stated before, positive reinforcement has to be personal because not everyone feels appreciated in the same ways. The different ways that people feel appreciated can be divided into just five different languages. And these are the five different languages which we're going to go through briefly. Words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and physical touch. These are taken from the book, The Five Languages of Appreciation at Work, which is based on the book, The Five Love Languages, which you might be familiar with in kind of a non-work setting for the work environment, uh, this book really helps and an assessment has been developed that employees can take to determine their primary and secondary languages as well as their least valued language. So this assessment can be really helpful in figuring out the specific needs of each employee and how to best communicate appreciation to them in the right language because, once again, each employee is different. And so we can't have a blanket program or one thing that will hit everyone's buttons. We've got to know each individual employee. So let's get into what these different languages are so that you can understand them better and understand employees that you might have who have these languages. First is words of affirmation. So people who have this language need to hear words from others communicating that positive message. There's a lot of ways that this could look. So it could be a personal one-on-one meeting, like a one-on-one with your boss. It could be praise in front of others, like in a group meeting. It could be written communication, like a thank you note. Or maybe some kind of public affirmation, like having your name in the monthly newsletter. But even within this language, each person is really different. So one employee may just love a written thank you note, but getting an award in front of the whole company would be their absolute worst nightmare. And so it's really important to even within these languages to know the specific actions that your employee desires. Mark Twain was a really good example of somebody who had this language. I can exist for two weeks on a good compliment. So definitely got to know people who, um, employees who have this language so that you can know what to say to them. Second, quality time is is a language. And some employees would just rather have time and attention from those around them. And this kind of looks like focused attention, like companionship or shared experiences and personal connection through listening and sharing. So for many guys, it might look like going out to do something together, like having lunch or maybe playing golf together. That's quality time. Or in the workplace, it often looks like stopping by a coworker's office just to kind of shoot the breeze, hear about how their weekend is going, all of that. That's all focused, intentional time with somebody else. Third, some employees prefer kind of an act of service. And it's kind of a small, small act that helps make a colleagues' day go better. So this could be something like helping with a project that you know your coworker is overwhelmed with or taking on some task that you know that they don't enjoy something where you're helping them out. But when you're doing this, it's really important to ask them first to make sure that it's okay that you're helping them with it, and then be cheerful when you do it. Don't begrudgingly do it, right? And then you've got to do it their way, so don't come in and just say, oh, I've got a better way of doing this. Do it the way that they want it done, and then finish the task, because you don't want, no one wants somebody to come in and the job halfway. So all of this is, once again, making sure you know what that specific employee or colleague really wants so that you can help them in the way that they feel appreciated. Fourth, um, some employees feel some kind of tangible gift. But this isn't about money, because everyone would obviously like more money or like more pay. So it's not about the money necessarily, but it's it's about small things that show that you know your colleague and you know what they like. So once again, it's important to know your colleague and know their interests and their hobbies. You can focus on experiences and not things because once again, it's more about the thought than the the value many times. You know, one example of this, um, my boss was traveling, she went to a place that I enjoy as well, and she just picked up a little um, pen, a little trinket from that and brought it back for me because she knew that um, I liked that place and it was just cost her probably a dollar or something, right? But it was uh, meaningful because she thought of me and brought me something back that um, she knew I would enjoy. A lot of times, though, tangible gifts is... um, uh, food. A lot of times it's taking somebody out to lunch or buying them, um, buying pizza for the, the office or something like that. But when we look at employees, actually only 10% of employees usually choose tangible rewards as the primary way that they want to see um, appreciation. So it's usually one of those first two or three that most employees um, prefer once again, free things. And lastly, the fifth language here is physical touch. And it can be kind of a tricky one in the workplace and really is never anyone's top language. But there actually are appropriate types of physical touch in the workplace. Now, many of them just happen in spontaneously in celebration or something. But there are things like handshakes, high fives, fist bumps, pats on the back, those sorts of things in an appropriate way, can be very um, show a lot of appreciation and value. Just think about if you ever meet somebody for the first time and they don't give you their hand in the, for a handshake, I mean how demeaning would that be? So there definitely are appre- appropriate ways to show physical touch in the workplace. And John Wooden, the the great basketball coach, was a really big believer in the power of physical touch to encourage having a good pat on the back here. So one important note with these five languages is that it's really important to be aware of your least valued language because that's often your blind spot. Because you may not recognize the needs that your employee or your colleagues have for appreciation in that area just because you're not aware. You may be able to really appreciate people who have the same language as you because You say, well, if if I want to be appreciated, I would have somebody give me tickets to the ball game. So you buy everyone tickets to the ball game, but you don't realize that somebody would rather just have you write a thank you note instead. So it's really important to be aware of what your blind spots are and what your least valued language is, because you you may really be missing the mark with some employees or colleagues who just don't see eye to eye on you with that. So by knowing the appreciation language of your colleagues and your employees, you're going to be able to provide positive reinforcement in a way that best hits the target, making it more effective. And once again, I'm saying both colleagues and employees because remember, this isn't just a top-down approach. You can this, you can show appreciation to your coworkers as well, and even to your bosses. Okay, so many times when I'm encouraging managers to use positive reinforcement, I get some pushback. So there's some common complaints here that I, that I hear about positive reinforcement. Many managers, especially from older generations, say, hey, um, I just pay my employees to do their job. They should do it. I shouldn't have to give them compliments or whatever. Well, that's good, but as we saw earlier, it's only going to get compliance effort. You don't get the best out of your employees by just paying them. And even if you are paying them well, research actually shows that after 60 days, the newness of a pay raise goes away. So you lose all reinforcement benefits after just two months. And I don't know how many companies are really willing to give pay raises every two months, so I don't know if this is a good option. But um, this also really brings up an important point about pay. If you mess up somebody's pay, there's really not much else that you can do to motivate them. There's kind of this pay threshold that must be met <clears throat> where people feel like they have comparable compensation. Otherwise, other positive reinforcements are not going to work because they're just going to keep thinking, well, if you really did value me, you'd actually pay me enough. So. <clears throat> you've got to make sure that you've hit that pay threshold <clears throat> before any of this other stuff will work. So if you need help in that area, my coworker, Carrie Cox, is going to be doing a webinar August 31st regarding compensation packages. So you can sign up for that at aghuniversity.com. Another complaint that I hear is, well, I just shouldn't have to compliment my employees all the time. Well, That might be true, but if you want to improve their performance for free, then you should. And really, we're not just talking about compliments all the time, but we're talking about positive stimulus for any behavior that you want repeated. So if there's a behavior that you want repeated, let's reinforce that somehow. I also hear, well, this is just too warm and fuzzy. It's too soft. Well, uh... I mean, it doesn't have to be mushy. This can be your your own style. You don't have to do it in a warm and fuzzy way. And so if you manage Ron Swanson, you know, buy him a bottle of scotch and a deer tag and give him the day off to go hunting. It's not about being nice. It's about showing employees that you appreciate them and making it specific and personal to them. So uh, it doesn't have to be all warm and squishy. It can be whatever your style is as a manager or whatever the employee needs. So let's kind of review what we've covered today. First, positive reinforcement is the only way that you're going to get more than just that compliance behavior. So it's the only way to get the best results and the best out of your employees. Second, employee recognition programs often don't work well because they just aren't structured properly. Third, you've got to remember SIPs to help you give positive reinforcement. That's specific, immediate, personal, and sincere, the best practices for positive reinforcement. And lastly, you've got to learn each employee's appreciation language in order to make sure that you're communicating appreciation in the way that makes the most impact so it hits the target for them. Here's some resources for you to utilize in learning more about positive reinforcement, and I'll leave these here for, uh, for the archive. You can come back and take a look at them. Um, so now, this I always like to end here with some positive, some concrete next steps. So I want to, you know to think about what are you going to do as a next step as a result of today's webinar. So what would you like to do? Are you going to maybe review your employee recognition program to bring it more in line with best practices that we discussed? Maybe you need to take an assessment to learn your employees' appreciation languages. Maybe you just need to practice using the positive reinforcement. Or maybe you need to get some outside help to assist your team in learning to use positive reinforcement. So let's take a final poll, and I'd like you to kind of commit and say, okay, this is the next step that I'd like to take. Or maybe there's something else and you can put it in the chat box, something that I left out. But go ahead and vote here. What is that next step that you'd like to take as a result of today? The majority of you really feel like you've got to learn what your employees or colleagues specifically want and what their target is so that you can... Um, more appropriately give them the positive reinforcement. A lot of you just also want to go out and practice what you've learned today. And some of you are going to take a step back and review what you'd like to do um, in, in revising your employee recognition program. So today, in conclusion, um, I'd just like to share you know, the effect that positive reinforcement can have through a final story, one that you might relate to. Um, One employee that I know, um, I've worked with, she enjoyed her job, uh, but she just didn't feel valued at her workplace. And so she started looking, she found a job elsewhere for a pay raise, went over there, and even though it was a prestigious job with great pay, she felt even less valued than at her previous job, and she really hated working there. So after just a few months, she left and found an employer that actually communicated her value. Even though she took a pay cut, she stayed and she's happy there because of the appreci- the appreciation that she was shown. She knew that she was valued. So this just shows that in the t- tightening labor market, it's not just about pay and how much you can pay somebody. Many times someone might take a lower paying job just because they know that they'll be valued or showed appreciation. and showing appreciation and this positive reinforcement can be a really powerful and free tool to attract, engage, and retain your employees. So by using positive reinforcement, your employees will be happier, they're going to be more productive, more engaged in their work, which will lead to a healthier, more profitable organization. So I I really hope that today you've enjoyed the presentation and you've learned the benefits of positive reinforcement and that you can go out from here and use those to benefit your organization. If you've got any questions I'm gonna stick around here to answer them in the next few minutes but feel free to connect with me on Twitter and LinkedIn as well and thanks again for joining me today.
0: The first question we had come in is how have you seen the languages of appreciation be implemented into company-wide programs?
1: Um, Good question I think the first, the best way, I mean, as I've kind of talked throughout this, it's, it's all about specific, what's specific for the employee. So you can't just make a blanket program that will um, hit everyone's target, but what you can do is um, train and teach employees and managers in the need for appreciation and the best ways to go about it including the languages so that each manager or each employee is then equipped to work personally with their uh, direct reports and their other employees rather than mandating the same thing um, for everybody to do. You equip them with the tools that they need to personally give the appreciation that they need.
0: Alright, thank you. Uh, we just had a question come in that asked, what was the webinar we can find on AGH On Demand that came before this. Um, I believe the title of it was performance management, how to get the most out of your employees or something along those lines. So if you go to the On Demand section, just search for performance management and you should be able to find the webinar there. Daniel, the second uh, question we had come in related to the webinar's content is, I work in a very negative environment, how do I even begin to implement some of these ideas?
1: Um, Yeah. Unfortunately, there are a lot of negative work environments out there. And a lot of times um, you may work with a boss that is not um, giving you the appreciation that you need or just a negative culture. And the first step is just to figure out, okay, what can you do as an individual? Don't think about uh, what uh, people, what your boss is or isn't doing or what other coworkers are or aren't doing. Do what you can. So start to implement these practices. Start to show your coworkers and your direct reports appreciation and start to change the culture where you can rather than um, just being defeatist and saying, oh, there's nothing that I can do because my boss won't show me that I'm valued and I work in a negative environment. Figure out what you can do, and then do it to start to change it from the inside.
0: All right. Thanks. Um, another question that just came in is: uh, if you're wanting to identify an individual's language of appreciation, is it sufficient to discuss that with the individual? Will they even really know what their language is, or should you ask them to complete a five languages of appreciation at work questionnaire?
1: Um, good question. The it's always it could be a good starting point to ask your employees, how do you feel appreciated? I mean, that's always a, a great first step, starting to ask people and and hear what they have to say. But uh, as you pointed out, a lot of times, people may not fully know how they feel appreciated, and they need some tangible <laughs> examples, and they need to kind of do that assessment. So the assessment can be really helpful for people who may not understand and I think you get a lot out of it especially because there's that um, the least value language which is really important like I said for understanding not only what your language is but also what your blind spot might be and so that's something that you a lot of people don't really understand on their own either so having the assessment really helps to really pinpoint both your best your highest languages as well as your least value languages and it can be uh, very actionable from that.
0: All right, thanks Daniel. Go ahead. Okay, before we get to the last question I was just going to follow up on the question about the previous webinar. Uh, We had a viewer chime in and help me out here and the name of that webinar is the key to harder working more motivated employees. So if you want to check that one out this kind of dovetails in with what Daniel talked about today. Uh, The last question that we had come in, uh, somebody was wanting to know where the stats of 79% of employees who quit their jobs cite lack of appreciation, and 65% of North Americans report that they receive no recognition or appreciation at their workplace. They were just kind of wondering where those um, statistics came from. I didn't know if they were included in that resources slide.
1: Yeah, I did not include those. I'll have to get those, and I can send those out if you send me a, um, a link. I forgot to put those in. Um, I'm trying to remember where they came from in my reading, but um, they might have been a Gallup study. All right. I'll look look it up and I'll send you out the
0: references again. All right. Sounds good. Uh, That looks like that's all the questions that we had come in today. Uh, We'd like to thank again everybody for joining today's webinar. Uh, Look forward to seeing you at a future webinar and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks.